Welcome to Securing Digitalization, the Siemens Cybersecurity Podcast. Our hosts, Natalia Oropesa and Mirko Ross. Welcome to Securing Digitalization. And in this episode, we will talk about the importance of supply chain security. And it's a pleasure to have my fantastic co-host, the Chief Cybersecurity Officer of Siemens, Natalia Oropesa, with me. And I am so happy to be again with you, Mirko Ross. So wonderful day today. We have a special guest, and this is Rafi Yahalom. And uh, he's cybersecurity and data management researcher at the MIT. That's great. Thanks very much, Natalia, for the introduction. Thanks uh, for inviting me. This is this is a great pleasure to see you both again and to uh, uh, discuss a very, very interesting and timely topic. Um, so just as a brief introduction, as Natalia mentioned, I'm a researcher at MIT. Uh, I've been involved in cybersecurity for over 30 years now. So uh, starting before you were born, I believe, Natalia. <laughs> yeah, way, uh, way, way, way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in being involved both from an academic perspective as well as a commercial and, uh, and working with innovations and with real organization as well as academic research uh, for many years. And this is an exciting time. These are exciting times because many of the directions that we saw coming many years ago and we, we, we uh, are, were you know, designing solutions for are happening and are requiring interesting attentions uh, now. Uh, so uh, I really look forward to a great discussion. Yeah. And to be honest, this topic is a dream topic for me as a cybersecurity researcher. Why? Because I think it's something we are watching the past years with more raising concerns. And now we have seen uh, by the beginning of the year and end of last year that supply chain attacks are reality and that they are super Powerful. And you you mentioned that this this topic is becoming more and more important, and 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 Rafi mentioned we are facing interesting times, and I want to tell you why this topic is becoming more and more important and more interesting, and this is because we know that companies are going through a process of digitalization, and 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 of course that includes not only we as as companies, but of course our suppliers and our supply chain. So many of them are going, uh, are being digitalized. And, and digitalization, and we have spoken about this many times already, digitalization means use of software. It means more connectivity. Uh, and software has vulnerabilities per, per nature. I mean, there's nothing wrong about it. <laughs> That's the way it is. And when we get in addition, connectivity, of course, we expand the surface of attack. So what's happening is now we have to pay attention on what, who is in our supply chain and, and who is going through this transformation uh, of digitalization. And in addition to that, we have to look at uh, whether they are doing digitalization and cybersecurity uh, at the same time. Uh, Cedric Nike mentioned several times digitalization and cybersecurity are the two faces of the same coin. And that's true. They have to be together. Can we just, for the people who are listening to us, 
some examples of supply chain attacks. What I have seen, for example, that there one possible attack is that certain encryption libraries have been weakened in the past and then other companies are building up their products on the certain encryption libraries and then you see that this vulnerability is just then afterwards used from attackers who have already weakened the libraries in before um, than to attack certain companies and products. But we have seen now as well uh, in like with uh, SolarWinds Orion, that, for example, certain companies have been attacked where you know that they play an important role in the, yeah. in the supply chain because their product is then as well used uh, from others. Um. Yes, and, and, and to, to answer your question, on, I will say what type of attacks can we see there? And then I would I would love to hear Rafi talking about some examples or the most yep. prominent examples that we have seen in the past. Um but, but what I want to say is uh, the, the attacks are the same the same kind of attacks that you see in companies like Siemens. So and they are they are risking the availability of information. So factory going down because of encryption of files due to a ransom attack. Uh, integrity integrity of the data being compromised because someone having access to scripts and programs or softwares, changing parameters. Um, the confidentiality of the data getting lost, so uh, with the so-called APT uh, uh, attack. So they are, this is, these are the type of attacks. Now, what you have to observe in this dimension of supply chain is that in this case, you are not getting directly attacked, but someone in the chain of your supplier is suffering this kind of attacks. Mm -hmm. And and this is and this is exactly where where the danger resides that you might not even be aware of the risk exposure you have if you don't do the task of identifying what risk you have in your supply chain. So I will stop here because I know Rafi is going to talk about a very good example. And I think, uh, I hope he can talk about that in full detail. Rafi, the <laughs> floor is yours. Before going to some examples, and, 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 and Mirko, you mentioned some great examples in, in, in you know, uh, and, and we'll, we'll dive into some of them as, you know, in terms of what the lessons that can be learned. But I completely agree. I want to touch, first of all, on the fact that Supply chain cybersecurity is not new. It has been happening, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's growing. It's part of the whole cybersecurity evolution, uh, which is based, again, uh, on the, of course, as Natalia mentioned, uh, on, on the, the, the notion of digitization and automation. And it's a base, it's related to the overall issue of trust in general and trust. And, we, and again, that's not new. So what is new is that we are seeing there is much greater awareness, much greater scale, much greater connectivity, and 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 consequently uh, both the risk and you know both in, in terms of the likelihood and the impact are increasingly and and are becoming you know uh, uh, um, a, a, a really huge priority, which is beyond just the technical and cybersecurity expert, but as far as you know and and, and in you know the decision makers and the, and society in general. And by the way, I and again without going to philosophical discussion. 
in my mind, the, the, when we talk about trust, it's not just about cybersecurity. When we look at some of the things that are happening in the world regarding, uh, uh, you know, trusted information and even social network and information flows, it's all related to the same type of issues to do with the notion of digitization and the new risks that that introduces, as Natalia mentioned. And I think supply chain, again, supply chain is not new. It's not inherently different than traditional cybersecurity, which is not through the supply chain, but it's just taking things to the extreme. Uh, because again, we always knew that cybersecurity, the attackers select the weakest link in, 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 a, in, a, cha in a chain. Even when we talk about an, an attack within an organization, and, and the lateral movements, uh, you know, from the from the initial part of the attack uh, uh, vector into into the uh, you know ultimate impact. With supply chain, we have that in a much greater scale across organization, finding the weak organization uh, to and, and 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 escalating through the digital connections in a way which again is much more uh, complex and hard to 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 track. But also, we have much less control over our you know outside our organizational boundaries about you know the term assessing the level of risk and being able to to manage and mitigate that can i ask you something rafi because you said the weakest link isn't not only the weakest link but maybe as well to find the most promising link for the attackers and just let me add something <laughs> and if, if if in addition to that the most promises promised link is as well the weakest one completely completely agree And, 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 you know, jumping in and looking even at, at the recent examples like the solar wind case that you mentioned, which is just an example. And there are many others, including, again, the, the, in my mind, the most famous before solar wind supply chain is the NotPetya, you know, a few years ago, which had tremendous impact, which is also an example of where uh, a software attack traversed across different organizations uh, uh, and, and cr created, you know, significantly uh, disruption, significant disruptions and impact. In the case of SolarWind, which is one of the obviously one of the cases with a lot, uh, receive a lot of attention worldwide for good reason, because there are many lessons to be learned. And in my mind, the lesson is one of the important issues, and again, which is debatable, but I'll bring it up, is that SolarWind in many respects is a game changer in the industry. In other words, in my mind, although many of the techniques and the, and the different steps are ones which are familiar to, to, to experts and, 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 and we've seen that before, there is a combination of factors here which uh, in my mind, the bottom line is that it shows that really new paradigms are required across the board to deal with some of these threats. I think SolarWind is a great example of where it's not about magic solution that can be solved here or on a technical level or on a business level. It's a combination of different things which have to be done significantly different than what they've done up to now across the world. And it's not pointing the finger at anybody. And it doesn't matter if like in SolarWind, there was a nation state behind it or there are Uh, other forms of attacks for different motivations, I really believe that there is an opportunity and a, a need, but an opportunity for all of us, which is why it's an exciting time, to really change the paradigm and provide a, a much more comprehensive approach covering different aspects. And one of these aspects, to you, as you mentioned, Mirko, if you look at, again, Solwin's an example, It's not just about how secure they were, and obviously there were some gaps in the security at Solwin because we know that the, the perpetrators managed to to change the, the code at the, at the, before it was signed and distributed to, to hundreds of thousands of customers around the world. So obviously there were gaps there, and it, it's, we're still trying to figure out exactly what happened and what were the gaps. But the issue here, and that's one of our research uh, direction at MIT, First of all, there is obviously a need to be better in a better position in an automated, scalable way. How can organizations be able to assess each other in an automated, non-intrusive, scalable, continuous manner? It's a challenge. 
there are different approaches, but there is no magic solution. But to your point, it's not just about how secure they are. One of the things we're looking at is other features of that of each organization to determine how likely are they to be attacked. Why would an attacker choose? It wasn't a coincidence that SolarWinds was chosen. You know, they were not great in security. However, they are not particularly weak if you look at some of their other indicators. And we'll talk about some of the outside-in scores and what they can provide and what their limitations really are. But SolarWinds has some interesting features, and we are trying to generalize it in terms of doing some research to look at the connectivity and other features of an organization which make it an attractive target from a supply chain perspective. Because that, just like with SolarWinds, not only you can get into many, many of their customers if you do the right thing, but you get into the customers in a very deep, because it's a software and it's a, it's a sort of network management sort of infrastructure level software, it provides access once you penetrate and once you infiltrate to the organization through that channel, through the vector, it provides really, you know, unusually strong opportunities to t take actions uh, which and bypass many of the controls in these victim downstream uh, organizations. But let me let me stop there. But, <laughs> but a lot of interesting lessons there, which we can come back to. Is it like what you were explaining that you that we need to? change as well the way on how we are looking on the, our supplier ecosystem that i look as well let's say in the eyes of an attacker towards it like what are the most promising suppliers in my ecosystem which i can attack to create the biggest impact there are some good, good practices that we apply in, in 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 siemens for instance obviously to clarify and identify where do we have the most risky suppliers Because they are increasing their digitalization, their automation, uh, they are highly automated, highly digitalized. So they are, of course, focused for us uh, from the risk perspective speaking. Then first, second is make sure we have talked with them in regards on what are the requirements that we expect them to deploy so that they themselves are secure, right? Another good measure to apply is, of course, not only talk with the providers about the requirements, but prove that the providers have deployed those requirements and that they are uh, more secure or that they are secure. And, and another best practice is, of course, to cooperate and co-create with them and help them to develop themselves into the security that we need them to have. I think there are you know, interesting challenges, which I think Siemens and, and you, Natalia, and the, team, and the Siemens team can continue to, to, to have a leadership position worldwide. I think the key, you know, moving forward, first of all, I'm, you know, I think there is tremendous challenges, but I, as I mentioned earlier, I want to emphasize, I'm very, very optimistic, no, not overnight. We're not going to solve it overnight. There's no magic solution, but I'm very optimistic because I think in the next few years or in the near future, because of so much attention we are, every, the whole world is now placing, I think this is going to be solved and we're going to be better off. And in my mind, again, the key that you mentioned there, Natalia, is the notion of risk. Thinking mm -hmm. about it more in term, more maturely in terms of risk, we are not going to eliminate everything, but we need to treat it more. And we, we are currently missing, as an industry, you know, sufficient tools and sufficient models, and which is one of the focus that I'm working in team at MIT, is to put a better context into cybersecurity in the context of business decision and business relationships. Because that's really the key to really being able to answer the questions, are we doing enough relative to the risk, which we currently don't have a good way to answer 
in general, because the frameworks that we have and the, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the, the NIST framework or any ISO framework, any others, you know, it's still more, very focused on particular controls and, and specific points, which are, you know, the foundation, very important, but it's not enough. And part of the secret magic here would be better sharing across different organizations in, in a way which, again, balances the requirement protects the confidentiality, of course, and the proprietary information, but sharing is the key because not every organization needs to reinvent the wheel, and it's impossible. I had a talk with Michael Decker, responsible for the supplier management cybersecurity at Siemens, and he has given me some insights in the role of cybersecurity in the supply chain and the supplier management of Siemens. I mean, the cybersecurity is... Um A new topic for the targets of uh, procurement for a business uh, when thinking about a supply chain, like it, it has been, for instance, quality maybe 20 years ago, uh, or like um, ethical behavior, uh, which we know as well, uh, or to protect the environment. I mean, we see that in the relevance of topics, cybersecurity is growing steadily like IT is also more and more relevant for uh, each and every business. And you could say these are two coins of the same metal. Uh, if you use IT, you have to take care about cybersecurity. And um, this is more or less embedded in every process, in every product, service uh, we use and produce today. Is it as well, Ravi? If you look at how we dealt with cybersecurity in the past, is of course we have the NIST and uh, uh, other frameworks which are heavy frameworks, and they're yeah. they they are good, but they are rather static in terms of yeah. how they are applied. For example, I apply all the processes as a company, and then I have my audits half a year, one a year, and whatever, uh, which is fine. Okay, you need that, no no question. But it's a rather static model because what the question is, what is in between two audits? What's yeah. going on? What's changing? So do we need more dynamic models? It's a great point. However, what is really missing and what needs to be happening, as you point out, is the continuous aspect in an automated way, as well as connecting the dots between the different controls, because they're not in isolation. If you say, well, I need two-factor authentication, of course you do need if you, for remote access two-factor authentication in many environments. However, it's, I love questions about how do things fit together. And that's where, and, and that's not as easy to come and say, okay, I tick that box and I tick that box, therefore I'm secure. If you look at some of the famous cases, including even SolarWinds we mentioned, but, you know, the Capital One Bridge, and, you know, these are highly regulated organizations which were victims. You know, they were, to a large extent, really highly compliant with many of the frameworks, and they still managed to get there. Uh, so first of all, we know there is no guarantee for not being, there is no such thing as 100% being uh, protected, for sure, in any domain. We're living in the real world. However, I think the key is how to be able to to have a, not only a continuous, to your point, but also a more, and actually, again, a lot of my focus is around the, the flow of data. You know, in other words, a more business process oriented in which the controls are part of the building blocks, but they have a relationship between them. And that even ties to the notion of defense in depth that people like to use, which is important. But we haven't really, I think that, again, needs to be taken to the next level to determine what does it mean to have the proper You know, we know, it, and Siemens, again, is a world leader in providing really highly reliable solutions and technologies and services. Uh, and we know how to deal really well, and Siemens is a leader, in, in how to provide, you know, robust relative to, to failures and to safety, right? We know how to do that really, really well. And Siemens, again, is a leader here. 
When it comes to cyber, the notion of independent failure modes is much more complex, and therefore we need to be able to determine much better what is the relationship between these different uh, events in a way which we can reason in the same level that we are reasoning about safety, traditional safety, with respect to you know failures. What does it mean with respect to 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 uh, to to, um, to to cyber events, in particular again in the context of supply chain and about you know relationship between the different partners, risk convergence. Um, so again, let me stop here, but I do want to also tie that down the road to the issue of outside-in scoring, you know, co companies who provide outside-in score, which is, again, an interesting uh, direction, but it's really not sufficient, and, it, and there are many holes there in terms, of, and, and I know people use that because, again, that's an example of an automated, scalable way to be able to assess from the outside. But again, we have some evidence in terms of research we've done about what is the shortcoming and what, what how should that be complemented. Tell me more about what kind of uh, what what kind of researches are you doing in the MIT that that could support us with the with the with the, the this topic of of supply chain. So you you mentioned this outside in score. Uh, can you tell me yeah. more about it? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, uh, so again, MIT. Again, first of all, MIT. Uh, you know, uh, is is for many years has been is and continuing to be a great friend uh, and a great relationship with Siemens and multiple fronts. And there are many, a lot of different uh, exciting research being done at MIT. You know, around different aspects of technology, of course, but also cybersecurity, all the way from you know the very foundation, from the cryptography, you know, an emerging direction in things like homomorphic encryption and and and, and cryptography. Multi-party computation, a lot of interesting, very impactful directions uh, on the on the innovation and technology side, and, and uh, um, there is also work in which I'm involved with, which is also um, uh, aiming to have a much more data-driven work, work towards uh, uh, a risk management view of cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So, so being mm -hmm. able to, you know, in a data-driven, using different uh, advanced models and machine learning to really be able to to determine what are the predictors of cyber risk, for example, and and mm -hmm. so uh, and and as well as other research directions which are focusing more on the organizational aspects. And again, I'm affiliated with although my background is computer science at MIT, I'm affiliated with the Sloan School of Management, and there is a whole program and a research agenda uh, initiative around things like cybersecurity culture in organization, cybersecurity governance, you know, so a lot of different angles are being covered, uh, which again bridge between the technology and innovation and the uh, organizational slash business slash uh, governance aspects. Um, so my, one of the interesting, most relevant uh, research direction which I'm uh, involved with, which I want to briefly talk about, which by the way, I'm also in discussion with uh, with Michael and with uh, Nino and, and, and uh, uh, Marcel about collaboration with uh, Siemens and about Charter of Trust, and that's around, you know, providing additional context to make decisions and to prioritize. Uh, so there are a lot of different, uh, poten you know, uh, uh, potential, both near-term and long-term. One of the things we've looked at, even before, and we started that over a year ago, so well before things like SolarWind have erupted, is to collect data from a number of sources about supply chain in organizations and, and ask the question, to what extent, we, we knew that there were many uh, cyber attacks which have some cyber, some uh, supply chain origin. So what we wanted to, to determine, we, in general, the goal of the research is to determine what are in an organization, what are the features of an organization which are predictors of a cyber incident, okay? So the obvious one which everybody focuses on is how well are you protected? You know, how well are you managing your cybersecurity? Which can be done, traditionally is done with questionnaires or with assessments. 
And obviously that's, again, very hard to do continuously in a scalable way, although there are uh, directions to, to do that. Um, what we have done is to look at an organization in, a, in as complementary aspects of organizations to look at their supply chain relationship. In other words, to look at who they are connected to, how many uh, connections they have, what type of connections they have in a scalable way, uh, and, and determine to what extent some of these features are really predictive of the likelihood of that organization to be attacked. Mm-hmm. Because again, that's something which is also not easy to, to to obtain. You know, what is the for target organization? You know, what are their supply chain relationship? But there are ways to collect that again in, in a in a scalable way, and we're working on some of these. But what we've done empirically by looking at the data, we've seen that indeed, if you look at organization and you look at their supply chain relationship automatically, and you, you we collected data from you know thousands of organizations, and then did uh, an analysis of you know uh, uh, for for the consequent period. Which which ones of the which ones were actually uh, 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 breached had a cyber incident or had a data breach? We saw that indeed the supply chain relationship of an organization, when you control for things like size, etc., is a very strong predictor. Different features of the supply chain, in, in particular things like how connected you are, but not just how connected you are, but where are you to tie to, to the entire early point? Where are you in the graph of relationship with organizations? If you are more central, you are more attractive target. Therefore, uh, you're more likely to be breached. Everything else being equal, because that's a great and again, SolarWin is a good example. And we actually looked at SolarWin after the fact to, to and we got some interesting insights which we haven't been looked before. Not only in terms of their number of customers, which is again a, a good indicator of them being um, an attractive target, but also they had an unusually relative to their industry and to their size. They, sort of when it turns out, had a very high level, high number of suppliers themselves, much higher than average. Which again, people have not looked at. Which is an interesting because again, in our research, we show the relationship between these connectivity features and the likelihood of being breached. In fact, we compare that, and that's to your point, Natalia, about the outside-in scores. The outside-in scores that people use without naming particular companies, but we all know, you know some of the leading ones, very interesting directions. However, nobody has really looked systematically at these scores mm-hmm. uh, coming in from some of these providers and how predictive they really are. They, they measure whatever they can from the outside-in. And what we have done for the first time sort of systematically is look at some of the, for the same companies we looked at the supply chain, we looked at their cybersecurity scores from some of the leading vendors out there. And we compared again how predictive these were relative to other features and relative to the, to the actual incidents. And what we saw that our connectivity features were much more, pre- significantly more predictive than the cyber s- scores of these companies. I do believe. <laughs> is yeah. it like, Rafi, that I understand it? What you're doing is like you are modeling, uh, let's say, a social graph of the company. Exactly. Exactly. And exactly. As one of the things. And again, a social graph and looking at the relationship. And by the yeah. way, this is it's ongoing work. What we're aiming now to do is to add context, for example, to talk not just about the digital relationship between a company and its suppliers, but also, and again, that's something which to to provide more information about the type of connection. In other yeah. words, what is the nature of the relationship? Is that the cloud providers? You know, what type of relationship? Is that a, an application? Is that a, you know a, a device, uh, uh, a physical device? Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, being supplied by one party to the other. In other words, the nature of the digital relationship is something which would add again additional context 
to yeah. having that analysis. But to your point, I think that's a great analogy. It's a yeah, exactly. graph between companies and deriving insights from that. Yeah, and then you have a semantic um, relationship, which is like, for example, is this a software as a service provider or a cloud provider? And by that, the graph will change. And then you see like what is the impact of a single company into the entire network because it's a hub, exactly. for example, for a certain topic. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly. fascinating. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, and that, yeah, and that that will help in the way that we evaluate our supply chain. And uh, we yeah. know there are a lot of brilliant minds worldwide out there on thinking about how to challenge it, and this is something which makes me really happy. And thanks for the insights. And by that, to everybody who is following our podcast, please give us a good rating. Uh, leave your comments. Uh, we are looking forward. And by that, Rafi, thank you very much. Natalia, thank you very much. Thank you, Mirko, thank you. and thank, thank you, you, Rafi. It was, it was a pleasure. Great. I look forward to following up and to uh, following up face to face and remotely. Securing digitalization: the Siemens Cybersecurity Podcast.